How's everyone doing? Welcome along to another episode of the Dave Dunahill podcast. In this episode, I'm going to chat about language and how it can impact kids' learning. There's a bit of a backstory to this one. Last year, I attended an NLP practitioner course with the Irish Institute of NLP, and I was doing it for a number of reasons, uh, many different reasons. And a part of me did think that learning NLP as a communication mechanism could help my teaching. But when I returned from the course, so there's basically the practitioner course and then there's a master practitioner course you can do. The master prac is more intensive and it goes on for longer. When I returned from the practitioner course, within the first three lessons, my communication with my students, it had always been good, but all of a sudden it was just so much better. I was understanding my students better. I was getting a better understanding of what their problems were with specific things in the songs, um, certain ways they'd explain how they weren't getting it. I understood exactly what they meant, whereas before I'd eventually understand, but it'd take a bit of digging. But after the course, all of a sudden, I was catching on to things quicker and also preempting other problems they may have had down the line just because I understood how they were processing the information I was putting in front of them. The information being songs, or the information being certain techniques and things like that. For example, language can be so simple at times, but sometimes the simplest sentences can tell a whole lot. If a student before said they couldn't do something or they weren't doing something, I'd focus on the something and the fact that it wasn't getting done. So for example, if a student said, I can't play bar chords, that's a common thing in guitar, bar chords. If they said, I can't play bar chords, or if they turned around and said, I, I, I don't play bar chords. Immediately as a teacher, I used to go, okay, so there's bar chords to be done and they're not doing them. But after learning NLP, all of a sudden, certain words like can't and don't pointed in completely different directions. So if a student turned around and said, no, I can't play bar chords, the word can't can point towards a belief belief that I can't play bar chords and straight away when I'm teaching I'm operating at the belief level the belief level of chatting with them about maybe why do they believe they can't play it and maybe offering counter examples of other things they used to believe about their playing that all of a sudden now it isn't true anymore like I might say do you remember the time you couldn't play that other chord and now you can and all of a sudden that little reassurance and that little borderline cheerleading can really coach on a student to tackle this other thing and once they topple bar chords then you just remind them of bar chords next time they say they can't do something else whereas if a student says I don't play bar chords all of a sudden that's at the level of capability and I don't even go into the whole belief side of things because I'm like okay well they didn't explicitly say they can't play them they just don't play them and then there can be a time where I'll ask them, Joe, when could you see yourself playing them? Because even though they don't write now and don't point to capability, that means that capability is going unused. And the thing about that is, well, if a capability is going unused, as the saying goes, if you don't use it, you lose it. All of a sudden later on, they can dip back into something like bar chords and it isn't working. The bar chords aren't working 
and then they turn around to themselves and they could possibly go jeez I can't play bar chords anymore which bumps it up back to the level of belief and those are two simple little distinctions coming from the words can't and don't now the thing is of course there's always exceptions to the rule and the second let's say that if a student said I can't and I went completely tunnel vision going and I went completely tunnel vision going oh this student believes they can't do records now I'm cutting out every other possibility I'm honed in that they're believing this so while it's good to have an awareness it's also good to keep in mind that it's a pointer it isn't an absolute destination that now they have this belief but it's definitely hinting towards something like that and that was one little thing about the course like for example I came home with that little distinction and all of a sudden I was dealing with students and helping them with their beliefs about their playing which is far different than helping them with their playing because belief is a higher level than capability and belief trumps capability because when you begin to think about it somebody could be highly capable of something let's say it is playing bar chords and I know I've said playing bar chords a lot in this episode but it's just I want to keep it in a context just to frame it back so a student is well able to play bar chords but they don't believe they can or if they don't believe they can then they won't fully put their effort into it or if something goes wrong that tends to reinforce the belief that they can't do it whereas if somebody goes into it believing they're capable of playing bar chords now they're going to go into it with a more open mind for learning and if they f- have a little bump along the way it's taken as feedback not failure so again that's a little distinction between I can't and I don't and belief and capability also after the course there was like so many other examples of all of a sudden I realised the importance of the way I chatted with my students and of course I always consider this important but I had a much higher awareness of certain words I'd use and how that could paint it you know that saying like a picture paints a thousand words well certain keywords can imply a thousand words as well certain keywords can paint a picture for example if I'm teaching a student who's into video games and if there's a certain part in a song that they might tend to make a mistake on I'd easily just flip my language and go do you know what if you make a mistake there it's actually like just like game over and to a student who's a gamer saying the words game over to them straight away it paints the picture that geez if I make that mistake the song is nearly gone here and I know it's only two simple words like game over but you must think to how many years or how many hours how many experiences that student could have if the words game over And that makes it really clear to them then the importance of getting the piece we're on. And then if it's a student who's into soccer, and this is where analogies come into play and using metaphors and things like that. Because, for example, with students who play soccer, if one makes a mistake and they suddenly stop and go, oh, I made a mistake. What I end up doing is I'd say, you know, like even Messi puts the ball out of play from time to time. Now I need to update my soccer references. I haven't watched soccer in a long, long time. Steve, uh, what were the names? Steve Bruce and Gary Pallister. That's the vintage that I used to watch soccer in. <laughs> so, and anybody who doesn't know who they are, Google them and uh, you'll see some fairly uh, non-HD photos of back in the day. 
So, back to this. If a student makes a mistake and they're into soccer, and if they're the type of student who will stop and they go, oh, I made a mistake, I'll use that example. I'll say, you know what, Messi never, if Messi puts the ball out of play, does he ask to be subbed off and go tog in and go, oh, I put the ball out of play, that's it. And all of a sudden they laugh and they go, of course not. And then I ask, I'm like, what do what does he do? And I give many different answers, but the main vibe is, well, he continues to play. And I said, that's important, isn't it? And they'll always agree. And all of a sudden, I said, well, you know, making a mistake on guitar, it's a good idea to keep playing on. Just like the way Messi would keep playing on, or whoever would keep playing on, if I know other soccer names on the day or somebody's mentioned one. And then also to acknowledge it, I'd say, but if Messi kept putting the ball out of play time after time after time, it'd be worth looking at it, wouldn't it? And see where he's going wrong and fixing it. And they go, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> and it's the same with their playing then. And all of a sudden, that little flipping language, talking to the soccer kids in soccer terms, talking to the basketball kids with basketball terms, the horse riding kids in horse riding terms, using that language, you're entering their world that they've spent many hours and many years in and have many experiences in. So when you use little buzzwords or little keywords like those or little examples, they're at the same level of comprehension as you. I personally, I found that like so effective. And I did do it before I did the course in NLP. However, seeing how much clearer it can get when you understand how people communicate, it works so well. So that's a little takeaway from some language and how it can impact kids' learning. I'll be getting into more things like this, including things from guitar lessons and other things I do day to day as well. Just a mini pickups along the way. So thanks for listening and I'll chat with you tomorrow.